Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thanks. had a few but then again too, too few, few to, to mention. mention i did what i had to do i saw it through without exemption. exemption i planned each charted course each careful step <laughs> along the byway and more much, much more, more than this, this. I did it my way. <laughs> oh, Frankie. Yeah, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. I did it my way. Yeah, we're, we're hitting it up with Frankie. I see how that is completely related to our topic today. Thank you. That was awesome. Right? I really, thought it was pretty good. Really good song. Yeah. Um, my husband likes to, like, his happy place is to cook in the kitchen with white wine to Frank Sinatra. Uh, I like to do Frank Sinatra in the morning or the evenings Ooh. when I'm, like, doing dishes or yeah. something like yeah. It's like so, I don't know, it's got like a romantic vibe. You it know? does. And he yeah. has so many like good hits. Yeah, he does. That, oh, yeah. Wasn't Frank a little of a player? I think he was. Player. I think he was a little bit of a player and a little bit <laughs> egotistical, but I mean. Yeah, okay. So he was I a dude? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, he was a rich dude in, you know, in an <laughs> yeah. era where there weren't a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatevs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna, don't hate the player, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was uh, good. Yes. Our, our theme actually today is about problem solving, which is why that is so related to the song Michaela yes. chose. So that was great. Planning steps. Yes. And as a reminder, like every week, we tell you that we do have a Gmail. We do have an Instagram and a Twitter under Shit Your Shrink Thinks. We also have a Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Shit Your Shrink Thinks. So yeah, hit yeah. us up. Find us. Like us. Follow. Please. Yeah. Following our podcast really helps our ratings. So we appreciate that. Very much. So as you guys might recall, we are still learning about each other on this podcast, and sometimes you just like to share little stories that the co-host might know or share a general what's good. So Sunny, what's your what's good for today? Okay, my what's good is a story that happened this morning. Oh, okay. So let me ask you this. Okay. I don't actually know if this is a normal thing, so I'm actually, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually asking. Fair. Do you have a separate bathroom in your house that you prefer to poop in? Like, do you have one toilet that you prefer to do whatever in? It's just a quick pee toilet, but then you have a poop toilet that you like a lot better for pooping. Okay, not necessarily. However, I will say I have come to identify that sharing a bathroom with my husband is horrible and that someday we need separate bathrooms. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. I think that's a common – but – but so I guess I, because of that factor, I am more willing to 
poop where necessary. (laughs) (laughs) I have some bathroom territorialism. This is what I will say. Okay. We have an exorbitant amount of bathrooms in our house. It is not related to the size of our house. We just have an old house that has a weird number of bathrooms. Cool. So I have a bathroom that I have become territorial over. <laughs> I, and I, if I had, I understand. Yes. Sure, continue. I, I would like to share with you what I'm calling the toilet betrayal this morning. Uh-oh. So my husband knows, <laughs> my husband knows that this bathroom is my bathroom. I go into this bathroom. I do all my like magical stuff in that bathroom, including pooping, but also baths and like, you know, getting ready and beauty rituals and all of this stuff. It's sure. like a sacred space for me. I go in there to calm down. The bathroom is like my safe space. Go and isolate. And, <laughs> yeah. Do some breathing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. When I feel like I'm going to lose it, I go there. So this morning, I was walking up the stairs after my morning coffee, and I walked oh, up. Oh, the coffee. Oh, yep. man. And That's I, urgent. And I smelled what I thought was poo-poo. And I said out loud into the room, why does it smell like poo-poo up here? And my husband yells, yeah, because I just pooped up there. And I said, you what? <laughs> <laughs> sorry you did what and then I called it the bathroom betrayal and he was like you have got to calm down and I still feel like it was a big deal uh I agree I would agree honestly okay thank you for that and if you're listening dearest (laughs) we still love you guys it was a betrayal um use your own fucking bathroom you guys are disgusting yeah The sad part is he's not. I'm probably the monster. But like, I need to. <laughs> but it's still your space, yeah, though. Yeah, I need to be alone in my. You need monster to have cave. at least a space in the house that feels like yeah. your own. <laughs> like the old thing of a man cave. I sure. just need a a she toilet. I just need a thing, and it's just the toilet. <laughs> I would pay rent specifically for my own toilet. I really would. I just it's a thing. Anyway, so that's my what's good for today. What's good with you? I love it. Well, mine is kind of another topic-related quote. Mm -hmm. We can't direct the wind, but we can adjust the sails. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So in other words, we can't control all the forces of life or prevent struggles from arising in our life. However, we can try to adjust the way we approach and manage things to help ourselves sail a little more smoothly through those storms. Yeah. Yeah. So with today's problem-solving stuff, it just I kind of came across that one. I'm like, yep, yep, we're going with that. Wasn't there a Garth Brooks song like that? I will sail my, my vessel, vessel yeah, till the river runs dry. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I like that one I a lot. Garth. Yeah. Yeah. That was He's my... a really good entertainer if you haven't ever seen him in Mm-mm. concert. I haven't. Some country concerts are very boring, mm-hmm. to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Just because there's a lot of slower songs. And... I don't know if I've been to a country concert. Oh, but Garth, he like jumps around stage like he's on cocaine, which maybe he is. I don't he know. He could be. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's he's a real big performer. I was impressed. Oh, okay. And Blake Shelton's also a really good performer. I don't, I really, really don't think I've ever been to a country concert. I'm always at the concerts where people are tripping on E and shit. Yeah. <laughs> so that's oh, a And that's why I invited you to the concert. I was like, I can see her enjoying these concerts and I didn't know who else to invite to, whereas most of my friends would probably want to go to the country concert. So I was like, here's a friend who I think will enjoy this hard rock. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy the hell out of something. That's for sure. I'm going to have a great time. <laughs> okay. Well, so how did your homework for this week go? So I was going to explore a recent trigger of mine. Oh, yeah. I remember that. I was actually really curious about that. Yeah. And I did find that it was actually a lot deeper than I originally realized. Can you remind me of the trigger? So (laughs) (laughs) I I have forgotten. I'm sorry. Yeah. So 
it was kind of related to like the misogynistic culture stuff. Oh. I was filling out medical forms and they didn't ask what my uh oh. what my job was. They asked what my husband's job was. And oh. like it also relates to like vehicle stuff, like when I'm renewing things online mm-hmm. and I pay a lot of our bills mm-hmm. and a lot of things are in his name and I have to fill them out in his name. Right. And that just sort of like rah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame uh, you. Yeah. But I, you know, I really thought it was really related a lot to just that overarching culture, but I really realized it went more deeper into my sense of identity and freedom. And I've always been my own kind of weird, stubborn person, but I've mostly been known through like my associations. Like I've not really been known for who I am. I've been known for the people I'm related to, the people that people know me about. Yeah. And again, that's not necessarily bad. I love all those people. But it was just good for me to recognize that those roots were a little bit deeper. And it was a little bit more than just like, damn, the culture. Yeah. (laughs) It was more like, no, this is my identity. And I feel like I wasn't like validated in it. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So it was good to explore a little. Yeah. Triggers are always a little bit deeper than we think they are. It feels like they have roots, deep roots. Yeah. 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 Thanks, childhood. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. How was your experiment? Mine was good. I actually have been continuing on going back to yoga, which to me feels like the efficiency of combining exercise and meditation, which is great. Mm -hmm. And it has been really helping me sleep. I have a lot of hip stuff. So it's been helping my hip stuff. Stretch it out. And I last week's episode was about trauma. And so it helps me a lot with like kind of the nervous system stuff. It Mm -hmm. helps me downregulate my nervous system a lot. And yoga anecdotally and also there is some new research showing that it's fairly good for people who have traumas so it's just it for me has been all around a good thing and I was so resistant to it at first (laughs) I hate I hate when somebody tells me to do something I perceive as woo-woo yeah I just and but the sucks is every time you actually finally truly dive in like not like fucking tip your toe and be like no it didn't work yeah but like actually try it's normally actually beneficial yeah Yeah. it was like when people told me to do mindfulness yep exactly that's so mad i hate it when people tell me to just take deep breaths or be mindful or do yoga and then i hate it more that it works yeah, I was like damn it that actually helped <laughs> so it's just all angry face doing yoga it's like i, uh, I hate that this, okay, is this helps <laughs> i hate that this is effective but it was good it was really good so yeah i think that well. keep it up yeah thanks man so this week we're going to be talking about some of the bread and butter of life problem solving and we can telepathically hear you groaning but it's actually a skill that we often are not clearly taught yeah we don't actually know the steps it's a therapeutic style of treatment as well not just a skill in life Mm -hmm. and something that many people struggle with in stressful situations when you get really activated where life is thrown too many curveballs yeah so first let's just talk about stress and how we all deal with it differently because our attitudes and beliefs affect how we approach that stressor, affect how we approach that problem. Absolutely. So big changes, either positive or negative, have the potential to be stressful. Mm -hmm. It's not that your body tells the difference. So it can be anything from getting married to getting divorced, earning a promotion, having a new baby, retiring. All of that is possibly stressful. Yeah. And notice that there's not a different going on a big vacation. That's like a bucket list item could be really stressful. Right. But you're still planning it out and there's still a lot of things. And, you know, with some of these other things are like life changes Mm -hmm. that you're unsure of. Yeah. Stress is when your body and your mind sense a change in the environment and it prepares for the change by activating your nervous system. It can be a good change um, and it can be even if it's a 
good change, that'll be threatening. But if it's a bad change, your body perceives it even more as a threat. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's stress. Yeah. So it's really not so much about the event itself. It's actually how we react to that situation that creates either a positive or negative consequence. And often how we react is unfortunately out of habit, right? It's it's all the root habits that we Mm -hmm. respond to instead of really clearly thinking it out. But the good thing is, like most habits, we can unlearn the things that are unproductive and learn more productive ways to manage stuff. Do you ever get pre-pissed off about something? Oh, all the fucking time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. It's like, okay, I know this is not a problem yet, but I'm already pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting pre-angry about this. I'm yes. Like pre-game my emotions on this thing. <laughs> and when I know I know I don't know how it's gonna turn out. It's just I anticipate a negative outcome. And so my nervous system is already activated and yep. that's already a stressor. Right? Yeah. It's already becoming that way. Yeah. So as we talked about in different episodes, two people can go through the exact same situation, the exact same stressor, Mm -hmm. and interpret it differently, which is why our stress makes a huge difference on how we approach and manage it. So Michaela has identified here a couple of different types or attitudes related to how we manage stress. Yes. And this comes straight from the the problem-solving therapy. Yeah. And Uh, we're a little plug here. Michaela is certified in that. Whoop, whoop. (laughs) Whoop, whoop. We don't don't know what that means. (laughs) No, not really. But I took a training. Yeah. Somebody like monitored me to make sure I knew my shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're trained people. That's what's up. Woo-woo. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna be a follower and you're going to get to be the leader and I will follow you hey, anywhere you I go. Hey, I was that way with the trauma stuff because <laughs> I'm definitely not near as trained at any of that craziness. <laughs> I'm standing on a desk. Oh, captain, my captain. <laughs> uh, so we have the optimist, the pessimist, the thoughtful planner, the quick fixer, and the avoider. So we're going to break those down for you. So Sounds the, good. The optimist and the pessimist are very fairly well-known archetypes. Optimists do recognize that life has problems, but they really believe that they can improve most problems or dilemmas through really persistent effort. You know, like one step at a time, I'm going to work through this in the long run. It's all going to work out. Just take it one step at a time. Whereas the pessimists, you know, they tend to view life problems as major threats to their well-being and often doubt the likelihood of successful outcome. They think that things are not going to work out. And they really expect everyone to just fuck them along the way, right? Everyone's terrible. This isn't going to work out. My life is a hot mess and it's never going to get better. Right. And it's, I would say that, well, just anecdotally, I don't know what problem solving therapy says, but we can vacillate between the two. You probably have like one that you're more likely to be most of the time. Right. And it could be situationally based. There might be like certain situations, maybe like social situations, you have more of an outcome, whereas work situations, you have a different view. Like, (laughs) so different. Yeah. I'm a work pessimist and a social optimist. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Like a lot of the things we've talked about, it's not clearly black and white. And you don't have to necessarily be one or the other. Yeah. But it's helpful to know a little bit about where you're leaning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What you, Yeah, what you're leaning is. It's kind of like the episode we talked about, extroversion and introversion. Right. You might flip a little depending on context, but you might have a leaning. I also notice that people who are optimistic tend to have what's called an internal locus of control, mm, which is... That makes... Yes. I just, it's just a noticing. I don't know if that's... I, I think out. that's accurate for yeah. sure. Yeah. They're focused more on what, what they what can, can control. What can I do? Yeah. And what can I do? Whereas the pessimist feels like everything is outside of their control and they're just kind, kind of, of in that happens. victim stance. Yeah. It happens to me. I don't have a uh, a decision in this process. Right. It's That's what external locus of control means, that the control is outside of my body and my choice. Right. And uh, 
internal locus of control just means that, yeah, I, I feel like there are probably things I can do to affect this situation. Right. The way I respond affects this situation. Yeah. Yeah. There's also another type called yes. the thoughtful planner, which is, a, which is a different type than probably most people have heard of. Mm -hmm. And they tend to set goals. They're pretty realistic. Uh, you might, I, it, mentally, I called these the realists. Mm -hmm. Like that would be another term that I would just anecdotally use. They plan for potential barriers. They're people who compare the pros and cons of solutions. They try to develop an action plan. So like I said, I just always called this the realist mentally. I didn't know there was a there was a term called the thoughtful planner. Yeah. Well, I think to, to some degree, it specifies a little bit because you are taking steps. You are breaking things down. You know, a realist only describes that you're viewing something. Interesting. Whereas, you know, a thoughtful planner is describing that you're actually figuring out what steps you need to take. You're looking at all the factors. Yeah. If I do this, this will cause this. If I do this, this will cause this. It's not passive. It's active. Correct. Interesting. I like that a lot. What is the quick, quick fixer? fixer. <laughs> uh, someone who is a lot of fun to be around, but maybe not the best problem solver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is someone who really just kind of wants to get rid of the pro problem rather than solve it. They tend to view the problem kind of through that tunnel vision, maybe kind of impulsively respond, you know, like say there's like a leak in the bathtub and they're just going to like slap some tape over it and call it a day. You know, that might work in the short term. But it often doesn't help us in the long run. So they're really trying to look for the quickest way out. Like, I feel the stress and I need to stop it now. So I'm going to do sort of something, even though I know that this is, you know, eventually the crack is going <laughs> to break through. But I'm not even going to think about that right now because I'm just, okay, yeah. done. Sounds like a problem for future me. Yep. Get <laughs> that can down the road. <laughs> yeah. The quick fixer, again, sounds like fun to be around at a party, but could... Cause a lot of turmoil if that was how you were problem solving relationships, right. work situations, social situations. That would be tough. Yes. So the next one is the avoider. Yes. Okay. The avoider is someone who may procrastinate. They may put things off until later. They may not want to deal with the problem or even deny there even is a problem. Yeah. They may also expect others to solve the problem for them. Right. This is the one I have in my notes that gets you into therapy. So <laughs> you avoid, you avoid, you avoid, and eventually everything's on fire and you're like, okay, I suppose everything's on fire and I can't avoid anymore. At least, at least on my caseload, this is the most common. I mean, it makes sense. I treat people with PTSD most of the time. So right. It and it makes why. sense that they would want to avoid. Yeah. yeah. It's a common yeah. tactic for PTSD for sure. Yeah. That's the most common one I see uh, problem solving wise that lands people in therapy just personally. But yeah, I think I different. see, I see avoiders quick pictures and then the pessimistic a lot yeah 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 that's probably true the <laughs> i don't have a lot of quick fixers i miss them i get a real kick out of it. i really do get a kick out sometimes of it. there's things like that's creative yeah like, <laughs> like if you would use that creativity for a little bit more planning like yeah. you would go so far yeah 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 i <laughs> I sometimes I've seen um, the quick fixer in people with learning disorders, actually, mm. specifically ADHD. I used to work with a lot oh, of people yeah, yeah. who had ADHD and, you know, the microwave's on fire. Well, we just unplugged the microwave, you know, it's just, <laughs> and I'm like, whatever, that's the end of that conversation. Right. And it's, I, I really do. Some of the problem solving is very creative. It's just not effective long-term. Long-term. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And again, there's not necessarily a bad thing if you're finding yourself mm -mm. relating to these things. And again, you can be a combination of these things. It all depends. But, you know, obviously the more effective problem solving tends to come in the realms of being more optimistic and being more of a thoughtful planner. Mm -hmm. But if you are finding yourself relating to these other archetypes, just 
it's okay. Remember, that insight yeah. is helpful because now you have a better understanding of how you're kind of handling struggles and you can reflect and work on, you know, trying to find more effective means to approach those situations. Yeah. And I, well, I'm going to ask you, what is your kind of realm? What one do you hover in personally as a, as a problem solver type? Overall, I would say that I'm mostly optimistic and a thoughtful planner, like both together. Yeah. Like I try to look at the best case scenario and I try to make actual plans towards it. I am definitely someone who is very pro-con kind of list person, like in every realm. Like I've done yeah. that with social situations too. <laughs> like literally <laughs> typed out list, guys. I'm that person sometimes. Yes. I'm very organized. I mean, occasionally I'll fall into that pessimistic realm. You know, yeah. it just happens. I think when we're at our when we're at our best, so we've slept, we've exercised, right. we've got good nutrition. We have most our jelly beans got. Like yeah. when we have some jelly bean control. Yeah, <laughs> that we're doing, energy control. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. doing self-care. I think yeah. we would err more on the positive end of the problem solving. Mm -hmm. And then when we are just at a deficit with our energy levels, that's when our more negative qualities come out. So yours, if you do have a negative one that comes out, it would be the pessimism side. Right. Yeah. And Or maybe yeah. a little quick fixie. I mean, yeah. I, I've definitely done that a couple of times yeah. where I'm like, I'm going to slap a piece on tape of this for now and we'll deal with that later <laughs> okay bye that take fixes everything yeah. but it doesn't yeah. how about you um i am mostly thoughtful planner almost Fair. all thoughtful planner actually yeah. i just tend to be very strategic st yeah strategery <laughs> that's it. I, I don't know it's uh, i'm kind of like you know dr spock when it comes to understanding people oh, who I are love that not i can problem. see that yeah, yeah. I'm like why wouldn't you do this rational logical thing that yes. doesn't make any sense that to is me illogical yeah that, that is illogical <laughs> i just and I, I i do i feel like i am in touch with my emotions but just as far as problem solving goes i really remove my emotions from it and i just see it in terms like yeah of efficiency and effectiveness which is unfortunately with a lot of these things to some degree what you need to do you yeah. have to kind of regulate those emotions yeah. and kind of settle them down so again that that system activation that you have gets quieted yeah so you can think through the issue yes you really do have to turn on that logical mindset which yeah. is hard to do in it stressful is. situations especially when you do have a billion fucking things on fire and you're yeah. like what the hell is happening right yeah. now <laughs> yeah yeah and i would say in my negative states i'll go the pessimist route sure and just kind of be more it's not pessimistic like i can't control anything or i can't do anything but i'm more predict negative behaviors out of others so yeah. i will predict something positive in myself i'll try to still be optimistic about okay well here's what i can do etc cetera, etc cetera. but when i go the pessimistic route i kind of just assume that everyone's every gonna be a trash can yeah, yeah yeah i'm like all right well i'm gonna do what i can here other people will probably be garbage cans to me which is not always true right. so but that's the way i will lean if i'm in a negative state of mind i can i yeah. can relate to that yeah 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 <laughs> and i think i think everybody goes dark oh yeah you know, everybody sometimes. goes dark mode eventually yeah like, like we've said there's adjustment disorders guys we yeah. all struggle sometimes and it's okay to validate and acknowledge that but at the end of the day we do need to try to step back and figure some shit out so we can not get stuck in that mode yeah i noticed that neither one of us said avoider i think that's funny because probably it's because we're therapists i think avoidance uh, is a really 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 common problem solving strategy so yes. we don't i don't want to make you feel alienated as the audience that we don't use that it's just that we it's almost impossible for us to use that in our line of work yeah we can't be avoiding things we literally can't no no we literally can't i mean i'm that makes i was recently in a pretty serious car accident and mm -hmm. i get 
I I am having some PTSD reactions every mm-hmm. time I get into a vehicle, and especially a cute if I know it's trauma gonna... reaction. Yeah, <laughs> and especially if I know there's going to be some traffic, and mm-hmm. so I do a lot of exercise, like relaxation exercise before. I maybe mm-hmm. say a little prayer, mm-hmm. and I'm like breathing while I'm on the road. Jesus but again, I'm not. Wheel. Yeah, but I'm not avoiding it because I know that that's just going to intensify things. Right. I'm like, okay, like this is what we got to do right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna get through this, and if I keep doing this. I'm not going to keep having these reactions. Right, right, exactly. Whereas I, I think people who, you know, your layman doesn't know how to do these coping skills totally. Yeah. And so it's easy. It's just way easier to avoid. Fuck yeah. There's like a, if I can just be chauffeured around, hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever watched. Oh, I think we did talk about this. You've never seen the Book of Mormon, but there's a. No, I really want to. A musical number in it called Turn It Off, which is all about avoiding emotional content. <laughs> like, Turn it off. And then they mime flicking off a light switch. And I, I think about that every time I want to avoid avoid something and turn it off so now we'll kind of break down some of the problem solving skills often part of our struggle with managing life stressors is that they all seem to happen at once it's all one big shit show when it rains it pours and we get overwhelmed or paralyzed with anxiety and racing thoughts and what we need to do so in the problem solving world we call this brain overload and there are three skills that can help with this issue so the first skill is called externalize So this really just involves trying to display information in your head externally. So basically, like, get it out of your head so it doesn't feel so cluttered. So it's not all popping around in there. You know, Mm -hmm. write it down, draw diagrams, make lists, talk it out, pray, do what works for you. I mean, think about when you go to the grocery store and you're shopping. Uh, If I don't write a freaking list... I forget the main thing I want. Yeah. Like, I forget half the things that I needed. It's the same same. thing with problem solving. You know, it's Sex Panther. 60% of the time, it it works works every every time. time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's also why therapy works, too, is you're externalizing. Yeah. You're getting it out of your head. You're getting that jumbled ball of yarn that's popping around in there. And then your therapist is there knitting a sweater and saying, this is what's actually coming, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like... Getting it out of your head makes a fucking world of difference, guys. A big difference. A huge yeah. difference. Talk it out on your phone if you don't want to write it out. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. we have talk to text or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of options to get it out of your head. Yeah. But get it out. If you prefer some of the more creative ends of the spectrum, you could, I mean, I, I do poetry. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's it just, it it's helpful. You can, I think, capture emotional content mm-hmm. with, if you have a hard time maybe expressing yourself in, in emotional content, you can go around it using poetry. You can paint, you can yes. draw, you can make music, you can sing, you can, any, any kind of production of something outside of your brain is great. It really is. Externalizing is, I love externalizing. That's a It's a huge skill. The next one is simplifying. So you can break down your problems into smaller bits to make them more manageable. Yes. It's when there's a complex issue, you put it into concrete, manageable steps. It's a lot like the SMART goals we talked about earlier. Very much. Which is make something specific, measurable, action-oriented, realistic, time-sensitive. And what Michaela had mentioned is that, you know, how can you eat an elephant you eat it one bite at a time. You break it into smaller steps mm-hmm. and you want to use clear language with this simplification skill. Yeah, you need to make it something that is achievable. You don't want to use vague language with your goals that you're trying to set here. Right. So, you know, if I'm going to climb Mount Everest and I just say, okay, my goal is to climb Mount Everest. Well, well that's a pretty fucking daunting goal. Yeah. And now I'm paralyzed with fear about yeah. how to fucking achieve that. But if yeah. I break it down into, okay, like 
So I need to plan like a fucking year out and start mm-hmm. doing this many hikes or this time or this many, you know, mm-hmm. you can set out a plan and make a goal. And if you have it in these small achievable steps, not only are you actually going to be taking steps towards that big goal, but it also feels good. You know, it's like checking something off the list. Yeah. You can, there's something validating about, okay, I'm working towards this. Like this isn't quite as daunting as it could be. Yeah. I think our culture right now is very focused on immediate gratification. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 And so that, well, I should just be able to run a marathon with, you know, minimal effort and I don't have to necessarily break this down into steps and I should just be able to do it. And 99% of problems or 99% of goals don't work that way. It's going to be time, a lot of time. And and planning. Again, yeah. you you have to this is the thoughtful planning part is simplifying. Yep. Yes. You have to kind of plan it out. Yes. So what's the third one? The third one is visualization. I like this one. Yeah. So visualization actually has a a lot of really great applications when it comes to problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, you know, we we often hear about visualization for relaxation, where people mm-hmm. talk about putting themselves in a relaxing environment and imagine yourself with the breeze and, mm-hmm. you know, imagine all your senses there, which is a wonderful skill to use. Mm-hmm. But we can also use it for problem solving, guys. Yes. It's called visualization for motivation. Because like again, it. half the time we're paralyzed. So let's motivate ourselves. <laughs> yeah. We want to we wanna bring up the dopamine. We want to hack our dopamine system and pretend almost that we've already got the thing. Yes. And our visualization so that we get that little dopamine kick of reward, which then motivates us to try to get the thing a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really helps counteract that daunting feeling of hopelessness. So you really what you do is you imagine yourself, you like travel to the future. So you're not thinking about the steps now, right? We're not thinking about those simplifications. We're not thinking about anything. We're already placing ourselves on the top of Mount Everest. Yeah. What the frick does that feel like? Yes. What what would that feel like physically, emotionally? Like, you know, what every thinking thinking every single aspect of it you know sense it really see it and sometimes it's just that that experiencing it in our mind really can help us just view that it's possible again it helps you almost get into more of that optimistic mindset yes because you're like i can do this yes this is me there and this is what this would feel like and this is how i can do this situation like yes damn that feels good to be successful in this like hell yeah like i did it Damn, it feels good to be, be a, a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> that music should always be playing in the background of your visualization. It's just science. <laughs> yeah, but and it really is, guys, because you know who use these things? Freaking professional athletes, athletes. Athletes. Astronauts. Yes. Really successful people yes. use these visualization skills yes. to help them be more successful. Yes. They're like, I got this. I'm already there, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A huge part of performance coaching, which is an underrated branch of psychology, and hey, what's up? If anybody wants to hire me for performance coaching, what's (laughs) what's up, what's up, what's up? But it's a really underrated branch of psychology and mental health where we help people to – it's less about getting people out of a bad situation and more about getting people into their highest potential. Mm -hmm. And performance coaching – always, always include some level of visualization. Yes. This is part of the problem-solving branch. So there was – I can't remember exact. – I'm not going to quote this research study exactly, but it was something to the effect of there was, let's say, a basketball team. Okay. They had one basketball team practice shooting free throws, let's say, and another basketball team practice shooting free throws and then also imagine for 30 minutes 
you know, a week, let's say, that they were successfully making three free throws. There was a significant difference between the group that imagined it and the group that didn't imagine it in the positive direction. So much so that now in professional athletics, they they incorporate the visualization. Yeah. If you are a professional athlete, I guarantee that they are teaching you how to use this skill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's it's true with uh, testing. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to take a math test, you imagine it the way you want it to turn out. Yeah. You imagine the actual steps. And I'm part of the, I'm not going to go into the neuro because it's, uh, frankly, it's interesting to me, but probably nobody else. <laughs> I don't know. I think we got a few science nerds out there. What's up? What's up? <laughs> a few, a few fellow Spock people. So, but uh, there, there is some research that shows that visualization helps activate mirror neurons and it helps actually activate the neural pathways that are similar. That's what I was going to say. It makes sense that you'd be creating those positive mm-hmm. neural pathways. Mm-hmm. So if you're, uh, let's say you are shooting free throws, we use that as an example, you would actually activate the places in your motor cort- cortex that would be related to you shooting the free throw. So it is as though you are retraining right. that area of your brain. So it's a, it's, it's think it's, of muscle memory, yeah. guys, only you're adding an extra cognitive step to that mm-hmm. muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's double amplifying that muscle memory. Yeah. And it almost has like this, um, positive effect where you you can get your dopamine going you can make sure that your neural connections are online but not just that it can put you in the optimist area and then the thoughtful planner area of being a problem solver so this is a personal favorite of mine i like to use this one a lot and i'm a daydreamer so (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's kind of fun it's fun to put yourself there it's really nice and it's an enjoyable thing to be like I'm experiencing what it's like to be successful, even though I'm still sitting in the dumpster. You know, like, I'm going to get there. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. do, of course, have to pair it with the other ones. But right. It is yes. A you can't just yeah. visualize. You have to do the other steps as well. Yeah. So often with our stressors, we get bogged down by our emotional states and negative thoughts, which hinder our ability to manage the situations we're facing. In the problem-solving therapy world, we address this issue with a four-step skill of stop, which Michaela calls observe, slow down, think, and act. Yeah, and personally, I think the slow down needs to come before the observation. I like saying the word stop first because we do need to catch ourselves, but often I've noticed that in most treatments – People can't truly observe their thoughts and observe what they're experiencing without kind of that slowdown piece first. And so this is my podcast, so deal with my modification. <laughs> We're going to start with the slowdown before we do the quote-unquote stop observe. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Welcome to the Thunderdome. We're doing what we want. So Hell yeah. Slowing down just means dialing it back giving your brain a chance to slow down the intensity. And this is very similar to some of the earlier skills we've talked about with deep breathing, four by four breaths. We can count slowly from zero to 10. You can yawn. You can take a hot bath. You can splash water on your face. Yep. I have a rule for all of my residents under my license, which is if an email makes you hot under the collar, you need to wait 24 hours before you respond to it. You need to (laughs) let that nervous system calm down. You write your thing and you come back to it in 24 hours. And if you read it and you still don't think you're a crazy person when you read it, then you can send it. Then you can send it. But it's 0% of the time because when you reread it, you're like, wow. You're like, all right, I was a little escalated. Yep. So that's, that's an example of slowing down. Yeah. And I think the yawning thing is something people actually don't hear about a lot. But really, if you're someone who is like, so like, go, 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 
although, I mean, sometimes you're like, I don't want to take deep breaths. Well, mm-hmm. yawning kind of does a similar thing. We're still mm-hmm. getting that oxygen to our brains and we're activating that frontal cortex, that thinking part of our brain. So do a couple of fake yawns. It's going to lead you into a natural yawn. Yeah, that'll work. The next step is stopping and observing, being mm-hmm. aware of what you're noticing, what you're feeling and thinking. This is a lot like mindfulness. So what just went through my mind? Yep. What am I paying attention to? What am I reacting to? What's my trigger? Yep. And what sensations are going on in my body? Yeah, we're stopping our negative thoughts from letting them overwhelm us. It's it's a very important step. And and that observation is, is it's information gathering, right? We need to know, again, we need to know those triggers mm-hmm. so we know what we're responding to. We need to know uh, how our body's reacting so we know further, like, well, maybe I need a few more slowdown skills. Yeah. We need to know all of this information so we can be thoughtful planners. Absolutely. We We can't thoughtfully plan and work through the problem if we're not actually sort of acknowledging the problem. You know, it's kind of like, you need like 20% of your energy needs to be focusing on breaking down what the issue is and the yeah. other 80% yeah. needs to be more so on the the planning and the how am I going to fix this. Right, right. So like think about it this way, guys. It it's really can be difficult to stop a train if it's already left the station. Like when, the, and it, when it's increasing speed, like you kind of – That's it. That's it. But if we put the brakes on early, if we can kind of catch ourselves in these modes – and stop ourselves before it gets too far, it really helps us a lot. And it does take time and practice to learn this. You know, you might, it's better to stop the train far down the tracks than not at all. But Mm -hmm. the more that you start to practice that awareness in what you're feeling and reacting to and what's going on emotionally, it's better. You know, remember, these emotions aren't bad. They're not They're just indicators that something is out of balance. And if we're more aware of what we're feeling, if we're paying attention to what they're trying to tell us, then we can minimize the negative impact and maximize our ability to like problem solve through this situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Which speaking of that, the next step is to think. Yes. You break down what you've observed. You use your overload skills and planful problem solving skills to deal with the stressor. So for example, you define the issue. What are the facts, the who, what, when, where, how of the situation. You need clear language about that. So again, ask yourself those journalistic questions. We're not basing this on assumptions. We're basing this only on observations. Right. So again, check for those cognitive distortions here. When you're trying to define the issue, make sure we aren't distorting the issue. We're not catastrophizing. Mm -hmm. We're not jumping to conclusions. You know, we're not having those irrational kind of thought things. This is where we're really trying to turn on the Spock brain. (laughs) Yep, yep. We want Spock brain here. So the next is to generate alternative solutions, otherwise known as brainstorming. Brainstorm. Yeah, brainstorm. You don't, we're not going to judge whatever comes up. You're going to generate, write down or say aloud as many possible solutions, regardless of whether they're good or bad, as possible. Right. You're just getting them down on paper. You're just getting them out out loud. And honestly, sometimes the weird ones, the really off the wall ones <laughs> yeah. or the stupid ones can give you some something good to think about. Hell yeah. Yeah. This is about quantity, not, not quality. quality. Like at, at this lot. stage, we're just trying to be like, what are all the fucking possibilities here? Yeah. Like, let's just 
jump into every fucking puddle and see what what the yeah. hell it would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, silly email. Okay. I punch my boss. Okay. Hmm. I, that's one option. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I drink poison to get away from the situation. Hmm. That's another option. Mm, these are not good options, but we're throwing all of the we're options We're throwing everything on the table. We're taking all the shit out of our pockets and be yeah. like, what do we got? What yeah. tools we got here? Uh, <laughs> it's a very MacGyver. I yeah. Got, <laughs> got thread, duct tape, a chewing gum. Yes. And, uh, what could I make out of this? It's a helicopter. That's what I'm going to fucking make. That's what I'm going to make. Hell yeah. <laughs> so then we look at the pros and cons, which we right. referenced earlier, which is we decide which of these ideas seem to be the best, starting to narrow it down using pros and cons. Next, we're going to start to set those realistic, simplistic goals, right? We need to break them down. These goals need to be reasonable. They need to be concrete. They need to be clearly defined. They need to be those smart goals. Yes. Specific, measurable. It's action, right? Or achievable, either or one. Achievable. What's the R again? I think it's realistic and then time Time sensitive. sensitive. Yeah. 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 I think. That sounds correct. <laughs> I feel like I... <laughs> it's funny I we like... use them so frequently and uh-huh. yet... <laughs> yeah. I, I think I alternate the words. Michaela and I were singing a song earlier today and we were alternating the words. It was that, it's Phil Collins. I can feel it coming in the air tonight. And Michaela said, hold on. And I said... Oh Lord, and I feel like it could have been either. We but did, we, we did look it up. It, up. it is Oh Lord. I was wrong. It's typical me. I'm blue and I'm in need of a guy. I'm blue and I'm in need of a guy. Instead of it just being gibberish, whatever. I make up my own lyrics. Deal with it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> the, the point stands that it's generally that is generally what smart goals stand for. Right. And then we uh, try to anticipate and address possible barriers. So just what could come up that could get in our way here and just have a plan B and C to in case there is some sort of issue addressing. Right. Yeah. We we're not only setting realistic goals, but we're also acknowledging what might get in the way of me achieving these goals. You know, whether it is another person, sometimes it's ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, are these goals conflicting? Sometimes we have like these two different things that actually don't work together. And sometimes we're just not super realistic and we need to adjust it. So we really need to consider the potential barriers to us achieving those goals. Yeah, yeah. And and kind of in this vein, we wanted to remind you guys that some of life's problems simply cannot be 100% cured or fixed. Yes. That's okay. Part of, quote, fixing a problem is actually just acknowledging and the acceptance piece can be a big part of the fix. It may not be that you, let's say you're diagnosed with diabetes, for example, Mm -hmm. and it's uh, type one. So it's not something that you can totally fix, but it's how you manage around it. That is going to be the problem solving steps itself. It's not the whether you are successful in problem solving doesn't necessarily mean you eliminate or reduce the problem. It's how you manage and get satisfaction out of life around the problem. Right. Yeah. Because there are so many stressors in our lives that are outside of our control. And it's good to recognize what's within my control, what's not within my control. And there are a lot of problems that we face that are outside of our control. Like this is this is my life now. Yeah. Which which sucks. But we have to acknowledge it. We have to kind of find a way to work around it and still find joys. You know, with these kinds of stressors, we really want to work more on like emotion-focused coping to deal with the distress. We really want to work on our self-care, those relaxation skills, enjoyable activities. You know, within that self-care, it might be physical, emotional, social, spiritual, those hobbies and values, you know, finding a safe space, being organized, work-life balance, financial budgeting, whatever it is. But just even if you're the fixer type, you can still schedule or plan some of these coping skills so it feels kind of like, you know, you're you're mm-hmm. taking some action. Mm-hmm. 
but just acknowledge that, you know, some some of the life's shit just <laughs> it's going to stay on fire for a while and it kind of sucks, but we can definitely make that fire more minimal. Right. Exactly. And speaking of that, the final step to problem solving is to act. You carry out your plan, whatever it is, even if it's not going to entirely fix exactly the problem, but you start taking steps towards your resolution, you actually engage. You can, like we said, use the visualization to help it succeed. We observe assess and troubleshoot as needed yeah because as we're taking those steps sometimes some barriers pop up that we didn't see coming that out of left field yeah (laughs) you know hitting the side of the head with the ball okay let's let's step back and start again and figure out this again and troubleshoot you know we can still plan and take actions but one step at a time guys one step at a time and i and just on a personal note i will share that for me, I, one thing that I really need to work on around problem solving. Well, I guess this. Is, I guess we can segue into our homework because now <laughs> I'm now I'm realizing yeah. I need to work on something here. And a lot of it, a lot of it is not the problem solving itself, but the expectation of the problem solving. So mm-hmm. when I engage in problem solving, I think I should be able to figure this out one hundred percent, and yeah, totally quickly, one hundred percent of the way, such that I eliminate the problem. Yeah. This no is, troubleshooting needed. Here's yeah, a resolution. I go. did it. <laughs> did it. Done. And I don't like the fact that I often have to apply multiple iterations mm. and go back to the problem over and over again to rework it. Yeah. And I think for myself, the homework is going to be just creating an acceptance and an understanding that if you're doing problem solving skills or problem solving therapies, it the process is much like the scientific method is never truly over right you're it's always still experimenting really over <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you're always going to be going back to the drawing board the expectation needs to not be that everything is resolved all at once immediately even though i need that <laughs> deeply please give me the magic wand <sighs> i like for control it. over issues i like control and oh, I, I like feel it you. to be i think we're both a kind of control yeah, freaks for sure yeah it's nice to get it done right away but that's just not reality and mm-hmm. Expecting that to be true is going to lead to increased disappointment and pessimism. So it's just kind of have the mental framework going into it. They're going to need to come back to it. And that's a work in progress. I can dig that. I can dig that. That's going to be my And and I can relate to that. And I think probably a lot of people can relate. Again, even if we are planful problem solving, like to some degree, we want it to be a quick fix, right? We're like, I did the thing, damn it. Why isn't this just done? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I made the choice to eat better. Why didn't my heart disease go away right away? Like, it's stupid. Yeah. 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 What about you? What do you want to try? I think for me, I I am decent with all the the. the actual fixing parts, but sometimes when it comes to that emotion-focused coping, I don't put in enough time for that. So I just really need to up my self-care game. Mm -hmm. I think I've Mm -hmm. been somewhat neglecting it and just like taking action steps all the time. And although it feels good to take those action steps, uh, I need to address more of the emotion side of it as well because some of those things are just you know, this this dumpster fire is going to continue to be a dumpster fire and I can continue to take the action steps I need to, but I also need to <laughs> manage my emotional responses and give myself a little more self-care because I've been neglecting that a bit. So yeah, more into the acceptance phase a little bit mm-hmm. on some level. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get that. So do you have a joke for me this I've week, Madhu? Oh, ooh, ooh, hit me. Hit me. Okay, okay. Okay. So the first one's not like a super joke, but I kind of like it. The optimist says the glass is half full. The pessimist says it's half empty. Uh The realist says it's simply at the halfway mark. 
Meanwhile, while those three are arguing, the opportunist comes along and drinks the entire glass. (laughs) (laughs) That's the quick fixer right there. Like, hmm, water. (laughs) I like that. Okay, I've got one. Yeah. So this guy approached me and won't leave me alone until I solve his trigonometry problem. (laughs) Okay. I don't know what his ankle is. (laughs) (laughs) I went with like problem solving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I get it. Okay. Okay. I got another one. What type of blood type do optimists usually have? Uh, a plus? B positive. Oh. <laughs> Dad joke. <laughs> okay. Espresso may not solve all of my problems, but it's worth a shot. Oh, I like that. It sure makes me more quick. Yeah, yeah. I- iced coffee puts me in like a-, a happiness state for at least 20 minutes, and I will never give that up. <laughs> oh gosh it, there is some kind of a euphoric high sometimes with those caffeine you just <laughs> i need it so that's what we got for you this week folks we're looking forward to helping you to solve your problems we're interested if you have feedback or want to engage with us please do so and yeah we... send us your ideas yeah and... actually we had had a listener we'll have to read it next time but we had a listener email that i thought was pretty funny so maybe we'll, yeah maybe we'll read it next time so guys thanks again and tune in next week Thanks for your listening. Okay, bye. Bye.